Shishik Ilanfusi, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Arabic, yet again, for dissection <laughs> of the souls. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Which means, idiomatically, with great effort. With great effort, we have watched and attempted to comprehend this race, and will attempt to recount it for you here, but no promises. I'm Drew Scanlon, joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? Oh my god, oh my god, uh, yeah, for goodness sake, get this race out of my head, what <laughs> happened? I remember on the previous podcast saying, well, this is, we got overtaking, that that became a moot point, that was like, either we're going to have a no overtaking, or this is going to be the craziest race we've had forever, we know which way that went. Also joining us, Rob Zachney, how are you, Rob? Uh, still catching my breath after after that race. <laughs> Yes. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you're new to Formula One itself, oh my goodness, <laughs> have you joined at the right time? Well, you've joined on the right season. Maybe go back and, and watch the rest of it. We uh, we have a preseason primer episode just for you, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge. So if you want to know how the sport works and who everybody is before you launch into your rewatch of the 2021 season, uh, this year's primer episode is one number 137. Also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at Patreon com slash shift f1 where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for those patrons uh, that cover racing documentaries and films f1 video games experiments with other racing series and a lot of weird things so if you'd like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff uh head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 or click the link in the show notes what's been going on in patreon land this month danny uh, we just finished up uh, the first season of Michael Fassbender's Road to Le Mans. You can go check out our review of that. We are currently attempting to make our way through the mighty season two and season three, which both get longer per episode and there are more episodes. Um, so, uh, yeah, Michael Fassbender, much more cool, calm and collected a driver, having watched uh, the Saudi, the Jetta Grand Prix um, by comparison. Uh, but thank you all to our, our incredible title sponsors as well. Jason Kelly, Will Rumpf, Umberto Roca, Troy Stammer, Circuit Demon. Max Voltar, Reagan, Sniggs, Connor McManners, Joel Roberts, Abraham Getchell, Jason Chadwick, Abdullah Althani, Bailey Foote, BPM, Drew Stewart, Simon Villeneuve, David Mule, Tractor Share, Gnarly Goat, Iron Station Studios, Erica Siegel, Pyrites, Card Castle, and E-Dog, I-Dog, J-Dog. I wonder if we'll have a new title sponsor for the final race wrap-up. How did this happen? I, I needed. I needed at least... A, a week's break between uh-huh. what just happened in Abu Dhabi. This is just this is too much, too fast. Not fair. Yeah, we need to, we need some kind of decompression because we have so much to talk about. Oh my uh, god! Let's just kick it off. I'm going to start with one of the most shocking qualifying sessions I've seen in a long time. Um, Q3, Hamilton nearly loses the car in his first flying lap, but they've fueled the car enough that he can go around again without coming into the pits, so he does another lap. Sets the fastest time, which then gets beaten by Verstappen's first hot lap. So already, it's a back and forth here. On the second flying lap, uh, Hamilton beats Verstappen's time by one and a half tenths. But then Verstappen puts together what looks like a millimeter perfect oh, qualifying lap. My, I have never in my life had been like, this was like watching the final like like lap of like an action movie like about driving i have never they were saying all weekend that the only difference between a fast time and a slow and a not as fast time was people just sending it like 
just throwing caution to the wind and throwing the car into every corner. And I swear to God, the direction on the car, on the right on the qualifying might have been part of this as well. But I was like, "This is insane." He was like within millimeters of the wall every single flying around those turns, and then the way it ended was just like, "Oh my God." Was it, I mean, it was on that lap where he was so close, it looked like he'd kissed the wall earlier in the lap. Yeah. Because yeah. you couldn't see any daylight between the tire and the wall. No. And the suction of his car wishing by pulled all the, like, dust and grime off the uh, seam of, of where the tra- of the where the wall meets the track. So, like, like that's how close racer. it was. Where, where you were, like, <laughs> there was a point where I was like, well, he already scrubbed his lap. And then you, you realize he hadn't lost any time. And, no, he, he missed that wall. But, like, only by, like, uh, you know, <laughs> what a cigarette paper's width, basically. Yeah. Uh, just wild. And he was two tenths up going into that third sector. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that's the sector in which they get the most, you know, advantage over the Red Bulls is, is especially that twisty part after the first couple of turns. But still. Yeah. And as he goes into that, um, I remember thinking, boy, I sure would be nervous if it were me coming into that final corner. Oh but these gosh. are professional racing drivers, so I'm sure he'll nail it, which he does not. In a rare human moment for Max Verstappen, he locks up in the final corner, drifts wide and uh, taps the wall with his rear tire, uh, breaking the suspension. Yeah, he gets on the throttle. He loses it on the entrance. He he mm-hmm. he did have a different entry to that from Hamilton almost all weekend, uh, up to that point anyway. Maybe it was different in the race. Um, and he, he just kind of lost a bit, like it was a bit of oversteer. And then he, according to Brundle at least, it kind of just got on the throttle, like trying not to lose as much as possible, basically off that little bit of a wobble um, when the tires weren't wanting to turn. And yeah, like at the time it was, did he shag his gearbox as well? Right. Fortunately for him though, his gearbox is not damaged, so he won't need to take a penalty. Um, But with that, he will line up third on the grid uh, just behind Valtteri Botas, who himself had a scare in qualifying one when his engine started misfiring. Um, but mm. this makes 100 Q3 appearances in a row for Valtteri Botas. I wow. so an F1 record. This is the time where Mercedes is throwing a lot of bouquets uh, at Valtteri for a couple reasons. One, uh-huh. like it's the end of his time <laughs> with the team. Two, they've definitely needed him to step up to like help put this uh, constructors championship away. And to be a willing and happy uh, wingman to Hamilton for the end of this race. Yeah. And Hamilton has gone out of his way now multiple races to praise uh, Valtteri and talk about what a great teammate he's been. Part of me feels like, where was this earlier? It, it, it felt like it's coming a bit late, especially when we've seen how Valtteri's psychology of racing at Mercedes has sort of waxed and waned over the years. Um the other part of the other thing, though, that I'm watching as I see this is, is there a little bit of like buyer's remorse over Russell? Not that you're not getting a great driver, but just that suddenly there's an appreciation of like, you know, though, the qualities of a great number two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Valtteri really does have them, doesn't he? What rely- I hadn't that that 100 appearances thing just like blew my mind. Uh, yeah. it, like there's a lot of like reliability uh, you get from from Botas and Hamilton likes the dynamic. I do wonder here at the very end now that they've made their decision to move on whether they're like, well, shit. 
actually, you know, we did have a good thing. And they did, <laughs> but we're going to see what 2022 brings. And also, Valtteri is a new man ever since getting a two-year contract and knowing he's on his way out of the madhouse. So mm-hmm. that's the other part. Yeah, that's true. And also, the one thing that Valtteri has not been very good at in terms of his team matedness is keeping Max Verstappen behind him at the start very of the race. true and 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 this has been much nicer ever since he did sort of shoot his mouth off saying oh well you know we left the door open for Max when like it was pretty clear he meant Valtteri left the door wide open for Max <laughs> so there's that too uh, Lewis Hamilton lines up on pole position uh, he though narrowly escaped a penalty wow yeah, um, and and an ins- and Nikita Bazepin for you know did a great job to get out of the way of that because that that was that could have been a very bad accident. That was the accident that everyone was worried about during yeah. practice, Can right? And it was it? a weird weekend. Yeah, sure. So the, it was a weird weekend, obviously, because nobody knew how dangerous this track was. F two had had like a bunch of weird incidents, like the sprint race had a horrific. Um, wait, was it? I forget which one the it was. Feature, I think the feature race had a horrific crash with uh, Emerson Philip Fittipaldi and Theo Porcher. Though of that which wasn't Fittipaldi's... that wasn't a Jetta one, really, right? Because that's where his car that's stalls true. on the grid. That's that true. could happen anywhere. That's an F two problem because they don't have anti stall on those cars. So that's and that's it was some. It was Enzo, not Emerson. Oh, sorry. Even though Emerson, Emerson was Fittipaldi? on the track, apparently. Right. Yeah. And Fittipaldi's still in. So his season's likely over. He broke his uh, heel in one of his feet. Um, he's got a nasty gash over his left elbow, uh, uh, eyebrow. Uh, Theo Parcher apparently has been released from hospital, but is also on the sort of <laughs> IR for the final um, uh, races of, uh, of F2. Um, but yeah, there was a. You're right. That, that, that's not necessarily a Jetta crash, but there was a couple of other ones that were um you know worrying uh so with the increased speed of the formula one cars we're we're wondering but anyway anyway hamilton was on a um or or uh um who was it it was a uh, mazepin was on a uh a, a flying lap a fast lap and hamilton was basically um making his way through like the i think it was the end of sector one um and wasn't getting out of the way uh there also apparently weren't blue flags waved for either of them and i had mentioned that the marshals that were there perhaps were a bit green um as it happened something like 400 marshals had been sent over from i think it was bahrain um including also one uh one uh, like track duster which was which had been driven the whatever it is like hundreds and hundreds of miles across the arabian peninsula because the one that was was in a um uh in saudi arabian Jeddah wasn't uh, operating properly so yeah he was lucky he did get a what did he get a rap on the knuckles for it he didn't he get, get a, a warning which right. i think if you get three that's a penalty and his team um, got fined yeah, we also had crashes from, um, well, I guess we'll get to it, but Charlotte Claire also hit the wall pretty bad in uh, P1. Yeah. Um, I, I think the other thing to point out here is that the circuit, and the drivers have been saying this all weekend, before and after the race, that this is a dangerous track uh, in, in large part due to the fact that most of the turns are blind. You can't see what's around them because of the walls. Like you can, you know, across a, that's just something that's just like, you know, asphalt or... Uh, you know, a green grass. Um, so I went uh, back and I listened to what we, when we saw the render of this, and I was actually surprised how good that render was at like sort of communicating what the track would ultimately look like. Mm. I will say I was surprised that it's a fun lap. Like this is the thing I didn't anticipate. Like in terms of a course to drive, this place seems pretty 
cool, right? But even during practice, you heard a lot of like hand ringing on the broadcast where it's like, is this is this really a safe track? Because like there's no runoff. You're just racing between these walls, um, and there's like several blind corners. And it just seemed like the sort of place where, uh, you know, it's 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 a cool venue, but like it's not like there's space for something to go wrong uh, and for for racing just to continue on around it. Um, and they were they were sort of doing the comparison. Well, indie races on places like this uh, a lot, which is which is true. But indie cars are so different, right? Like these have a different like these things perform very differently from indie cars, and also indie cars are more durable like indie cars can like sort of be slapped around and bang wheels a lot and like keep mm. on keep on trucking um yeah just a lot of things about this seem like they had built a cool circuit like i would dig driving this thing it seems it seems rad racing on it did seem like it was going to be a tall order yeah and, and that's that kind of is what led to um or n- narrowly led to an incident in that uh hamilton mazapin thing because you know mazapin comes around a corner and barely has enough time to avoid Hamilton. Mm. Um, he's not so lucky in uh, in the race, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yikes. Charles Leclerc lines up fourth. Uh, as you mentioned, Danny, he crashed in free practice three at turn 22, which also will show up in the race. Uh, Sergio Perez will start fifth, followed by Pierre Gasly, Lando Norris, Yuki Tsunoda in eighth, Esteban Ocon, and Antonio Giovinazzi into the top 10 in the penultimate qualifying session of his career. Behind them, we have Daniel Ricardo, Kimi Raikkonen, Fernando Alonso, George Russell, and Carlos Sainz in 15th place. He had a spin in Q2 and clipped his rear wing, uh, which the team didn't have enough time to change. So he went back out with his damaged wing and on his fastest lap, <laughs> he uh, he did not have the downforce and almost went off at the same spot. Also kind of a dangerous move. Um, behind him, Nicholas Latifi, then Sebastian Vettel, Lance Stroll. The Aston Martins just did not look hooked up here. Uh, then we've got Mick Schumacher and, of course, Nikita Mazepin, the only driver to have not reached Q2 at all this season. Mm. Hmm. Danny, do you want to take us through the oh start? God. I mean, the start is probably the most chill part of the entire race, so I'll take you through Start one this goes well. Start. Yeah. yeah, start one goes <laughs> well for everyone involved. Uh, Bata, well, Hamilton has a great start. Bottas has a good start too and that's the most important thing for him because he's on the inside line going into this tight left right hander if you're kind of can keep that one off unless somebody wants to <laughs> cut turn two which we'll get to later um then you're pretty much in a good spot uh, the, the one interesting thing that happened is that Perez nearly rear ends for stopping uh, Ooh, yeah. on this first turn he gets whisker close to the back of uh, Verstappen's gearbox, um, which then puts him under pressure from a charging uh, Charles Leclerc. Um, but uh, they end up. Uh, well, was he? Did he qualify in fourth, or had he? Was that him overtaking? He qualified Paris? in fourth. He had okay. So I guess in that case, um, he retains the position. Um, but yeah, they're all fine and dandy through. No contact at the back either. Um, a bit of shuffling because there was a couple of people who were sort of qualified a bit out of position. But um, otherwise, yeah. All, all, all's fair into into the Arabian night. Yeah, until about lap 10 when things start to go off the rails. As we mentioned, turn 22, Mick Schumacher loses it and uh, skids into the wall. It's pretty hard hit. Same thing Leclerc did during practice too. Um, he's okay, but we do get a safety car. Yes, Hamilton then comes into the pits. So you know, every safety car comes out. Everyone is on the track, 
going slower than they usually are. So it's a good time to pit because you'll lose less time. So Hamilton comes into the pits and so does Botas, albeit much slower, uh, much to Verstappen's chagrin to give uh, time for Mercedes to do a double stack. And um, yeah. Can we, can we talk about this just yeah. a little bit? Because it turns out this happens and this happens a couple of times during the race. And I think I think apparently there are rules around this sort of stuff. But I think now more than ever, it's been like two or three times. Everyone's doing it in some way. But we've seen the Mercedes do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Is this is this intentionally, you know, backing up or creating a space uh, to create some sort of advantage um, during you know, a safety car formation type scenario. And this was, yeah, them again using, you know, backing them up so they could get the double stack done. It happens more egregiously later, um, perhaps within the rules based on when it happened, but there seems to be enough of, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. Is it gamesmanship? Is it shithousery? I don't know what it is, but it, it just seems like I would love to have some sort of like firm rules over this because it seems to be quite irritating to people when we see certain drivers doing it and other drivers not doing it. And more often than not, it kind of seems to be Hamilton doing a lot of this. So maybe it's maybe it's within the rules and he's just smarter than everyone and he does it. I don't know. But he is ahead a lot. Um, that's also true. Yeah, but, he's also in the position to do it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Brundle says during the broadcast that this is against regulations for Stappen's like he's, he's more than 10 car lengths from the car in front. And that's, I think the way this goes is that, that, that he's referring to a rule on the formation lap that says you cannot, uh, back up more than 10 car lengths from the car, uh, ahead of you. Apparently the rules are different under a safety car. So that's for the formation lap for the start start of the race not the safety car and not any restarts so not a, exactly not a restart formation or, or what yeah. we call yeah which which are formation laps i guess which yeah. i that doesn't make any sense i think yeah. you should have like <laughs> if that rule is there for a reason shouldn't that reason also exist in other occasions so uh yeah that there's one for for the, whoever is amending the sporting regulations there might be a couple um, of those after this race. A couple of indeed. amends or, or clarifications, maybe. So Verstappen, his only real chance, he, he's you know in third behind the Mercedes when they both go to the pits. Um, his only real option is, well, he's got two. He could either pit and then come back out also in third and just try to make up the places. That might be tough on this very narrow track. Um, or you could do the opposite to Mercedes and gamble. Uh Gamble the thing on there is, being another safety car later, and then right. you having or, a more advantageous pit stop. Or a red flag, right. which is what happened when Charles Leclerc crashed into turn 22. They had to repair the barriers. Uh, right. Okay. So, well, he, no, he didn't he crash into... No, it was, uh, Science did. Charles Leclerc crashed into turn one. Right? I think it was this, no, I think it was the it was same the one. Same was one. it the other way around? Yeah. Oh, was it really? Okay, all right. I thought um, you did it on the first lap. So their their best bet, Red Bull's best bet, is to is to give Max track position and hope something happens, which it does immediately. The red flag does come out um, just after the safety car, just after everyone has pitted under the safety car uh, to give Marshall's time to fix the safety barrier. So during a red flag, all cars line up and stop in the pit lane. But crucially, you are allowed to change your tires. 
You are, Here's another was, rule that we've discussed often. Why is this a rule? Why I, are I, you allowed to do this? I think we covered this in the past that the idea, the original idea behind this was for safety reasons. Wasn't that the case? Like they didn't want people going out on tires, starting a, uh, starting a race when the pack is together on tires that are maybe not as hot as other or mm-hmm. something like that. But like, obviously it doesn't really work if everyone's on like hard to mediums on a low abrasion track and it's lap 10. It doesn't really make much of a difference. Like it's going to be way more strategic. Um, the interesting thing about the wall is that the wall, the damage issue was not so much that the important part of the wall was damaged, but because the outer part was exposing the tech pro inner part, if that part breaks, they can't fix it again. So that's the reason why they have to fix the outer part is because if if the if the inside part gets broken, they literally can't change that during during a race night. Well, they have to cancel the race. And so this that's is why. one of the things that like Mercedes was sort of seething that this sort of call came late. Um, I don't know what they were expecting. Like we've seen. Like when a tech pro barrier takes a hit like that, it's actually pretty rare. We don't, it it feels like it's it's rare. We don't see a red flag because it's a crash structure that has to be sort of partially rebuilt each time it is used. Like, it's not like, it's not like you can just be like, well, I'm sure, you know, it's still there physically. So it's still going to do the same thing. You kind of need to reset it to, to catch a car that way. And so it seemed like it was going to be unlikely that we didn't end up having to have crews go out there and do this. It's just that Massey took a moment to have it evaluated to like, confirm that's what was going to happen. And they went around like a couple laps. Um, I understand why like Mercedes was frustrated, but to me, it also felt like Mercedes can always be counted on to make the most conventional strategy decision possible, yeah, um, and not factor in like a lot of context or probabilities around it. Like I just don't think like it's a bit of hindsight twenty twenty on that one. In fairness, you know what I mean? Like because we could be talking about it the other way, but. I hear what you're saying. I do you do you think that like the fact that this was a new track and maybe everyone was a little less knowledgeable about each turn and each like each sort of barrier played a factor in it or do you think they were just doing the usual conventional kind of Mercedes thing? I think I I think they really I think it was pretty conventional. I thought that once they'd gone to full course caution, my assumption is they just assumed that it was going to be fine. They were going to do that until they could restart the race. Um, it just seemed unlikely, given like wh- like where the incident had happened, uh, that there might not be. Like It seemed like there was just an elevated chance for the whole session to be suspended and for uh, a, a repair, to, to repair to happen. We've seen this happen elsewhere with this type of barrier. So like I know why Mercedes makes that call. It does seem like what happened was not entirely unpredictable. Like it was a trade-off. It was a risk. Um, Ultimately, maybe none of these strategy decisions end up mattering that much, but uh, it it did feel like another moment where Mercedes makes kind of uh, like an obvious choice that does end up seeding a lot of initiative back to Red Bull. Yeah. So Verstappen, who's now in the lead gets to swap his medium tires to new hard tires without actually pitting. Um, and a bunch of other drivers do this too. So with the safety car tempting some, but not all, cars to pit, and then the red flag uh, allowing the rest to change tires without a pit, we get a significantly scrambled field for a standing restart on lap 15. So it's Verstappen, Hamilton, Botas, Then Ocon, who's up five positions, 
Ricardo, who's up six from where he started. Then Leclerc, Gasly, Perez, Sainz, who's up another six. And then Giovinazzi behind them. Tsunoda, Raikkonen, Vettel, Norris, who has lost seven positions. Yeah. Pettis. Alonso, Mazepin, Russell, Stroll, Latifi, and then McSchumacher is out of the race. Um, Danny, do you have do you have notes for this restart? <laughs> sure do. All right. Strap in, folks. <laughs> this is when the race starts. Let the shithousery begin. Okay, so um, as you said, Verstappen's in front at the start. He's in first position. Hamilton has a terrific restart. Um instantly grabs the place uh first place so verstappen defends the outside of the turn so to his right where valtteri bodas is is also charging but also where he suspects that if again if you want to get around this turn in first you need to take the outside line to try and defend on the inside on turn two but it's basically a move that you can't do without going out wide is what we kind of learned from the two races kind of learned from the start of this race um he attempts it anyway uh Verstappen's incredibly lucky that Bottas doesn't crash into the back of him. Bottas has to lock his tires to not hit the rear of Verstappen as he attempts this. Um, But as they enter the first turn, uh, Hamilton's in front. Verstappen is like half a car length alongside him. Um, As they exit that turn, Hamilton is still ahead of him. But Verstappen basically drives off the track, up the inside along like he doesn't even he like cuts the apex at like a 30 degree angle he hasn't actually touched the track since the exit of turn one at this stage um hamilton is sort of on the race line so obviously ends up you know he's driving more road so he ends up behind verstappen barely they're like side by side but hamilton's now maybe a third of a car like behind him verstappen probably due to the fact that he's just cut the corner and also he's thinking about hamilton also ends up pushing the car really far to the left on turn two. Like, not running Lewis out of road or anything, but basically cutting him off, forcing Hamilton to break. You have to also remember in this, within the context of all of these things, that, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is a Prost Senna. I'm not saying this is a Mansell uh, um, Schumacher oh, wow, situation. You're going, here. you're going here. I love it. But if, but it beho- if, if they were to touch, it would obviously affect Hamilton way worse if they were to crash. I'm not saying he's doing it. I generally don't think he is, but I do think that allows him the space to be more aggressive and also crucially ensures that Hamilton won't go there like he did perhaps in Silverstone, right? Where they both entered, the, they both they both threw their hands up and said, well, hit me. Hamilton in these situations is being a lot more cautious and getting out of the way if he has to. So that's what he does. Uh, Verstappen ends up keeping the position. Um, he pushes Hamilton wide so much that Esteban Ocon actually gets past him. And then as they're making their way around the next turn, calamity ensues in the background. Um, someone well, so wants to take I, this? I follow the Perez thing pretty closely because uh, this is this is happening like right behind all of this. And actually, I feel like everyone's rhythm gets thrown off by the fact that Hamilton and Verstappen are having this little... Uh, encounter in the middle of turn two, I think that throws off a lot of timing and causes uh, people to be taking some like evasive actions that maybe leads to this incident. But once again, Perez, like the first time I watched this, I feel like I thought it was on Leclerc. I'm actually, this is, this really is a racing incident, but it does kind of Mm. start with Perez goes pretty deep into turn one. He actually breaks late. Not irresponsibly so. He, he he makes the corner. He breaks late. 
and pushes him his way sort of in between uh, Gasly and Leclerc, and he's like pulling right up on Norris. Uh, however, he's also now sort of driven into a wedge he has created. Um, and so now he's sort of caught squarely in the middle between, uh, like, I think it's Gasly on the right and Leclerc on the left. And he makes, he brings it around uh, for a turn two. Uh, Perez has a better line than Leclerc because Leclerc is having to uh, cut wider left to get around Norris, uh, who is also veering left to avoid. It's, uh, it's Ricardo, right? It's Ricardo. Yeah, Norris is like pretty far back at this stage. Oh, yeah, I swapped I swap them around. Um, but yeah, so he's 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 evading the McLaren. Basically, it's reacting to this incident in front, and uh, so they end up sort of side by side just as the track is narrowing, and it's like Leclerc is sort of stuck in the part of the track that's narrowing. Um, the lane is basically vanishing. There's a forced merge. Perez doesn't <laughs> give ground. Uh, and their t- their wheels sort of interlock and they make contact and it causes sort of a chain reaction uh, in the middle of the pack. If you had that, like the Alvatari to the right did have room to move over, but it's not on them. Like they have no idea that Leclerc yeah. and Perez are out there. Uh, so it is sort of a classic, like there's just too many cars trying to use too little real estate uh, on the track. Like I think like initially I was like, is Leclerc or Perez more at fault? I think this is a pure like shit happens uh, at a at a race restart. I think they both kind of end up making decisions uh, that make this kind of inevitable, but like they're sensible decisions in the moment. Further shit happens, <laughs> kind of unrelated, right? Yeah. The- well, I mean, it, it could be that uh, this caused a cascade of of weird slowing, but kind of what we were talking about with the with uh, Hamilton or Mazepin almost running into the back of Hamilton. Mazepin runs into the back of Russell. It's he again, just yeah, he comes around a corner, doesn't have enough reaction time to slam on his brakes. He tries, but he just he just rear ends Russell oh, and uh, takes them both. Ugh. Yeah, it's a hard hit. He takes them yeah. both out of the race. Which yeah, causes Oh my. Another red flag. Change places. Back to the stars, please. I should we should also mention, sorry, I did forget to say at the start of that, and it is worth a lot of things will fall through the cracks in this race considering the amount of nonsense that occurred but also i believe that was the restart whereas they were doing the not formation lap hamilton again allowed a massive space between him and verstappen and, and maybe got his tires heated up a bit better mm, um okay but you know which maybe is why he had a, such a better start also he's really good at starting so I mean, who knows but just as part of the gamesmanship in the moment at the very least a strategy in the moment but as you said, we're back to, hey, let's do another standing start. It should be mentioned that at a certain point, they stopped doing standing starts in the F2 race because uh, after that crash happened, because, the, the you know, they were probably worried about more crashes like that. But we continued to have them uh, here. Well, it's an interesting, I mean, their worry, I didn't know they didn't have anti-stall because I was mm. sort of debating this, like, which is more dangerous? Because it does seem like you're going to have the cars bunched up at least at the standing start the cars don't have a lap to like they don't have space to build up a full head of steam on the other hand you are more likely to have an incident so like do you take the increased likelihood but also the lower speed or do you like have a have a rolling start and like just fucking send them down to that first corner complex <laughs> at full tilt i don't know like yeah. and again i think this is kind of 
maybe one of the secret villains of this is like Jetta generates stuff like the track, this. Yeah, 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 like totally. there's no room to go, and there's no re- there's no room to do to wave any other flag except for a red flag or pull out a safety car when these things happen. Like this is a byproduct of the track. Like crashes happen, cars go off, all these things, but this is Monaco. You know, right. what I mean, I mean like, like the Mazepin in car is terrifying because, like, we've seen drivers. Sometimes that happens, but if there's a little bit of runoff, you can yeah. swing it around and, like, maybe not make it as bad. The terrifying thing about like the the Mazepin footage is like you're rounding the corner and there's just a car. It's like highway crash footage. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, it is. It's like dash cam yeah. footage. Some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, during the red flag, we do get some radio between Red Bull and race director Jesus. Michael Massey, which I thought was so interesting. Um, I I didn't really grasp that this is how this worked, and you know, this is the for a lot of this season is the first time we're kind of hearing these uh, radio messages. But Massey basically says to Red Bull, you know, look, if you'll accept giving the place back to Hamilton, you know, maybe I don't have to get the stewards involved here. Um, <laughs> Maybe no one needs to hear about it. Yeah, I kind of thought that like the stewards were always watching, and uh, you know, they they rule on everything. But you know, Massey has the ability to to throw it to the stewards, but he also has the ability to say like, "Hey, look, if you just if you just can you just swap, please, and we don't have to give you a penalty." Um, And Red Bull takes it, basically. Well, but first he also gets the state of play wrong, and he's like, "You'll start P (laughs) two." And they were like, hell yeah, we'll start P2. And he was like, wait, I mean, they were like confirming we'd be behind Ocon. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're like, wait, hold on. No, you'll be behind Hamilton. Sorry. I think so. Red Bull called this out as a sort of a, a weird moment. Uh, it was it Horner or uh, uh, Dietrich who sort of said uh, it was it was like we were in the souk, uh, the, the, right. the Arab marketplace. Weird way to put it. Uh, very, very Lawrence of Arabia in in some ways. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of like, uh, uh, yeah, Britishisms for Arab nations throughout the broadcast this weekend. Like uh, lots of Arabian nights. Well, yeah, I mean, Kravis is just weird though, and sleep deprived. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll wave off a lot, but the here's the thing. Um, I feel like. I feel like there's a few things. I think it's very easy to, I think Massey ends up sort of emerging as a bit of a clown over the course of this race. But I think that's a bit unfair Mm. because I think the stewards over the course of the season have left him in some really bad positions. And I think there's a lot of nostalgia for Charlie Whiting. Um, And one of the funny things is there's this notion that under Charlie, things were run better, run more efficiently. And the sort of thing that is tacit in all that is that Charlie was, even though it was not his job, wielding authority to make sure that the proper things were being done on the racetrack, regardless of the stewards. Massey has very explicitly tried to, like, run this entire season saying, it is not me making judgment calls. I am not doing that job. It is the stewards. I think with Brazil, he was left in the position of, oh, the stewards are wildly inconsistent in terms of Mm. how they interpret the stuff. And I think he's sitting there and he's like, it would be sure, it sure would be better just to moot this uh, and see if we can just move on from there. And so I think, I don't think this sort of like bargaining is actually bad. I think it's, I think, I think it's good. Like sometimes F1 is a negotiated sport. It's very hard to have clear, like delineated rules as we see. 
I think Massey's probably doing the right thing here and doing his job. It comes across weird, especially because we can hear it on the radio. I think it's an appropriate way of handling it. And I think it would have been a satisfying satisfying uh, solution if more shit hadn't continued to happen further in yeah. the race. But I think in this exactly. incident, he's, he's, he's in bounds and he's just trying to do the right thing, which is the stewards are kind of iffy week to week. Let's just do what we all know should be done here. Let's not have exactly. Let's not. Have, the big worry we all had last week, right, was that an incident would determine the drivers' <laughs> championship, and this was one of those incidents because Verstappen yeah. and you know, I'll put my I'll put my my hand on one of the drivers' you know sides for a second. Verstappen cut the fucking corner. <laughs> like you can't oh. you can't take the position Dude, that it's way. So, like, like there's no like I saw the in car. And Hamilton is clearly ahead. Verstappen, once again, doesn't try to make the corner. And Hamilton, you know, you see, he has to make that jog left that opens the door for Ocon because he's evading Verstappen as he rejoins the track. Like, right. it's I mean, not Hamilton a- didn't leave him any space, though. He, he took all, he took his sweet time, his sweet amount of road going from apex to apex there, even though Verstappen was like very much alongside him. He wasn't alongside him at all. Like this is yeah, yeah. Like, what yeah he was dude pull up the in car like I watched this he this wa- morning he, yeah like you can he, see the only part he's alongside of him is when they he is already off track and in turn two and also like this is kind of like the Brazil thing where like it is easier to be side by side with somebody if you miss the breaking point which is what Verstappen did he went around the outside he was carrying too much speed which is why he ends up going off the track because Hamilton's on the racing line and like this is basically a chicane like this is this isn't this isn't exactly the first two turns in Monza. It's bigger than that. But like in terms of overtaking opportunities, yeah, you can't overtake here unless you go up the inside of turn one and you gain track position, which is what Hamilton has. And ultimately, on the next restart, what Verstappen does? I mean, I don't in know a, if it's in, the in a terrific the, overtake. If it's the fisheye on the lenses, maybe this is the thing that happened when I was watching the Brazil replay too, where it's like, oh wow, he's definitively behind. But like when I was watching it, when I was checking out this morning, like what did Max see going to this corner? It's Lewis with a clear, like, lead heading into the corner. And mm-hmm. Max just doesn't even try to make that corner. And I'm also, let me toss this out. We, we skipped over it, but if you wanted to see probably how this is supposed to work, go back to the duel between Alonso and Giovinazzi uh, around lap six, where they do end up fighting side by side through turn one. And they manage it just fine. It's not like this is inherent to the corner. Uh, Alonso and Giovinazzi both managed to leave each other's space, and you can actually race two cars side by side along two racing lines through the chicane. Um, it was exciting, like elbows out stuff, but it was all fair play, and there was space to do it. Max just never really tried. Hmm. Okay. Well, Interesting. I'm, in, I'm interested in Drew's interpretation of this because this is one. Of, this was the one incident I thought there'd be no. Uh, uh, sort of discourse about almost. What? Well, yeah. What? What do you, do well, you it's think not, that he's it's not turn one to me? It's turn two. Where? Turns, yeah. You know. Okay. Turn one. They they get around fine. By by the time we're negotiating turn two, Max is very much. He's not ahead of Lewis, but Lewis he on, knows he's there. But he's not is on, he the, on track the track either. <laughs> he's yeah, like, he is. Are you look? Are you sure you're looking at the right? Replay? Yeah. Do you want? This is this is lap. This is lap. Uh, this is the restart, right? I'm losing my mind here. Like, I mean, he's alongside Lewis. Not on the track. <laughs> okay, restart one on lap 15. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. 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 Turn one, Max is on the, the outside. Lewis beats him through it. No problem. 
And so for turn two, Max is now on the inside. All right. So you're you're thinking Hamilton should leave him space, even though I'm I'm not. I don't know whether he should. I'm saying he doesn't. He doesn't. That's true. That's and true. I he think doesn't. Max has to be there, and he has to try. He has definitely put himself in a position where he has to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, ideally is, for Max, Lewis would would open up and leave space, and he would shoot on through. That's exactly. not going to. Ha- Lewis is not going to do that. But I think if you're Max Verstappen, you've got to give it a shot. And so I don't, to use some some O'Dwyer words, I don't begrudge Max <laughs> right. for giving this a try. I also don't think he can say. Um, uh, oh uh, no! I got by him. I totally, I totally should be by him. So, so you, so you, you agree that it is like a a penalty illegal overtake, but you're you're saying the intention of Max is 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 sound, like that he's battling for it. Yeah, I think you got to go for it, but I yeah. I fully agree that they need he needs to give that position back, okay. and I probably okay. don't think that Lewis you know deserves any kind of penalty here either for you know, not leaving space or whatever. When when yeah. to leave space? Who knows? I'm not a driver. This stuff changes all the time. This is why this is confusing. This is why this is interesting to watch. Well, you know, yeah. When you're leading the race uh, and you're ahead of the car entering the apex of the turn and you're on the driver's line, I don't think you need to leave space. Well, so, um, Dan, but, I think, like, the other thing is, Dan, it, like, you sort of mentioned this and I hadn't really looked at it through this lens. There is sort of a argument like you'd argue that at points in this Verstappen has a gleeful indifference to mm-hmm. what happens to Hamilton in these things and this is one of those things like if Hamilton doesn't evade I think Verstappen basically would have torpedoed him off the track like he's mm. coming that aggressively across however so the thing that seems like should happen is Verstappen misses the corner he has to slow down and make a safe re-entry which he absolutely does not he straight lines straight through Comes right yeah, back on the power, is, plunges right I, back I just up. realized this is basically what happened at the start of Imola, isn't it? I remember. don't remember that incident clearly enough. But the last thing I'll so say the, is, the, here's the thing. Verstappen doesn't have a lot of room to make a safe re-entry. The, the corner is tight enough where it's not like there's a lot of space for him to slow down and then like straighten out the car and like merge back on. There is no like sort of bollard or blending line for him to get back into traffic that is true so like the thing is if he like did a safe rejoin i am at a loss as to how he's going to do that without letting half the field go by um Mm -hmm. so like i think like i think he's out of bounds but at the same time the whole like well you know it's on him to make a, a safe rejoin i'm not sure the circuit design at this point allows it if you if you cut the apex that way that's true my only my only feeling about this is that the drivers know all this yeah. as they're entering yeah. turns he know he knows all that mm-hmm. he knows where he needs to put the car but anyway i think i think the next restart what is this tur- restart 58 i forget yeah right um, exactly so um just sorry sh- shows shows the the other side of this i think right yeah so uh, red bull does accept that uh that deal um <laughs> deal even though no deal. Ma- Ma- massey says after the race it wasn't a deal we just this is how things are done um so Verstappen starts third, Hamilton in second, and Esteban Ocon leads the field away in first. It is also important to note here that Verstappen took the red flag opportunity to change his tires yet again from hard to mediums, perhaps Painful. to ensure that he beats Hamilton off the line. Uh, 
The I, track is, is new and smooth, so theoretically it's easy on tires, but Hamilton asks his engineers about this, and Mercedes says, hmm, hard tire is the way to go. This and is where I put my hand up, because right. I was like, yeah. they should have gone to, like, why would you do this on a restart? Like, the race is half over. Like, absolutely, you should have gone to the softer tire. Boy, was I wrong, and those Mercedes geniuses, with all the data <laughs> and analytics, just safely guiding Hamilton to the safe harbor of uh, of Triumph. Um, can I take race, restart, too? Sure. Go I mean, this it. is the only good one, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, then, no, <laughs> no by all means. No, so... No, no. Uh, here, it goes pretty cleanly, and it's so funny. Hamilton seems so obsessed with getting P1 that it feels like Hamilton is racing Ocon off the line more than worrying <laughs> about Verstappen. Yeah. So he gets an okay start, uh, but immediately starts cutting over to drag race and, and block to the outside Ocon and leaves a lot of acreage off to his left where, where Verstappen, who does get a good start this time, he does get a good launch, just sort of like nips right through the inside of one and then the outside of two and like, yeah. And cleanly uh, puts Hamilton behind him. And Hamilton is stuck now in this wedge, a bit like Perez ended up where he is now stuck between Ocon and Verstappen and he has nowhere to go. So he ends up making contact with Ocon uh, and he's very lucky. His wing doesn't get completely like shredded there uh, because it looks like a pretty, a uh, hard little smack as Ocon has to sort of cut, like run off the track uh, as Hamilton's stuck there in the middle. But they all manage to get through. It is very funny to me that Hamilton seemed to have tunnel visioned on getting ahead of Ocon, given <laughs> what happens like literally 30 seconds later. Yeah, because like, like Verstappen just like t- takes Ocon like a like a like a pig through warm strawberries. Like just like yeah, like it's it's. Oh, no. Oh no! I mean, I mean, sorry. I thought you were talking about uh, Verstappen overtaking Ocon because, like, why would you? Do, why would you be so aggressive on Ocon on turn one when he's a sitting duck? Yeah, he's no, an and, and, and he's like, got a great. Ocon has a great quote after the race. He says, "I thought they'd be aggressive with each other. I didn't think they'd be aggressive with me." <laughs> it's so funny because, like, before they reactivated DRS, even Hamilton was able to gain regain all the ground he lost on Ocon and like passed him effortlessly. Like the speed right. differential. Is nuts, and so it just did seem like one of those cases where, um, you know, Hamilton is he needs he needs a win, uh, here to sort of get like even the championship back up, but it does seem like he's fixating more on the play on the place than the than the actual situation because Ocon's race was never going to be with a Mercedes. He gets he gets past Ocon on lap seventeen, and then there's this whole like Hamilton trying to chase Verstappen down, but it keeps getting disrupted. By yellow flags, some of which are mm. caused by like shunts on track, like Sunoda ends up having an off on lap 23 and breaking his front wing. But then there's so much crap on the track because there's nowhere yeah. for it to go that it feels like they're starting to have to. They, they literally, like by lap 35, they've pulled out another, uh, I think they do two debris cleanup yellow flags uh, to try to get stuff off the track. And what that means in this case, and this is why they have to do the VSC, is they have to send dudes sprinting through the little like trap doors in the in the fencing to go and pick up bits and pieces of f1 car (laughs) and scuttle off the track with it so that it can't stay in the racing line but like when they slow down the action you see what the the track looks like by this point in the in 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 the race uh it does look like the aftermath of a destruction derby 
uh, just the sheer amount of like car components and like we're talking big car components uh, here mm. that have just been dropped on the track. So uh, the the Verstappen Hamilton du- duel ends up in this weird place of Hamilton keeps drawing him back in, and then they're like, "Well, hold on, hold on, like slow the racing down again." But one dynamic <laughs> we do see in all this is um, Hamilton's straight line advantage just allows him to gouge back a tremendous amount of time in sector three. And then the Red Bull just jumps away in sectors one and two. Um, their their handling profiles are very different, and so it's it's very deceptive because it keeps accordioning back together at the as they cross timing and scoring, and then Verstappen opens it back up uh, through the tighter sections. Yeah, and as you said, he Hamilton on lap thirty seven manages to close up a lot on the start finish straight with DRS and takes the opportunity to go for the pass on the outside of the contentious turn one. Yeah. Uh, And it looks like kind of a mirror incident of the first restart with the roles reversed because it looks like Verstappen gets to the first corner and Hamilton is coming up alongside where it differs. Yeah. Go ahead. uh, Is that Verstappen is in too hot into turn two and loses grip uh, and has to correct, and he nearly smashes into Hamilton once again, cutting the corner and staying ahead. Yeah, I think what's 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 crucially different here is they are side by side way before they're side by side at the end of the straight. Yeah. So like Verstappen was not side by side with Hamilton until perhaps deep into the early apex of turn two. Mm-hmm. On this one, they are side by side going into the straight. Verstappen still holds the racing line down the inside, which is totally fine. Yeah, but Hamilton once again, has to back off. Well, what happens is the same thing as Interlagos, which is that Verstappen carries is doing the defensive, carrying too much speed, which is mm. totally fine and like it one hundred percent works if you're able to get the breaking point in and then not cut the next corner, which he didn't do in Interlagos. He drove Hamilton off the road, whether or not intentionally. We already had a big postmortem about that. Again, Verstappen is one of the best drivers in the world. The two of these guys are miles ahead of the rest of the pack. Even they know what they're doing. Verstappen defends hard into that uh and much like Interlagos ends up going wide the crazy thing about this is that Hamilton who again is probably has a little bit more to lose about being driven off the track by Verstappen this race um backs out I think Verstappen is well within his rights to uh keep the racing line and force Lewis wide if that's the case but he has to make the turn then you can't you can't what what the eventual reality of what happens here is that Max misses turn two and Hamilton doesn't. Mm-hmm. Hamilton actually makes his yeah. way around turn two, and Max blows through it. And like, you know, there's there's a million and one scenarios in which Max is allowed to push Hamilton wide, and that's not what happens here. What happens yeah. here is he cuts turn two, pushes Hamilton wide, but Hamilton, for probably self-preservation reasons, decides to just back off, and then even manages to put his car around turn two. Yeah, and so... <laughs> Once again, Verstappen is told to give the position back. And so he slows down on the run into turn 27. Uh, doesn't really make any obvious moves as a as a backmarker would, um, though, like pulling off the racing line. And so it it kind of confuses Hamilton. And in what felt to me like slow motion, yep. Hamilton just sort of drives into the back of him. This is one of the weirdest things it's so strange ever seen everything about it's weird you're like why is hamilton not driving or he's been trying to drive around this guy for 37 laps why is he not driving around him right now why is why is verstappen 
I don't. There's nothing. There's nothing in the rule books that says you have to pull to the side to let a position back. Oftentimes, people don't because why would they? They're going to get marbles on their car. They're like, hey, if the very well, least, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like, there's nothing. There was some sort of degree of like looking at, oh, why didn't Max pull to the side? You don't have to pull to the side. That's 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 not part of the equation here. The, the weirdness of this was like, I first of all thought, oh, this was a miscommunication error. How Verstappen want, knew to give the position back, Hamilton didn't. The wrinkle in this is the DRS detection point, where Verstappen is strategically trying to make sure that he's giving a position back, and we know this because he did it later, in a position where he can then get the DRS uh, boost coming off the other side of it. Because worst case scenario, even if he's not trying to retake Hamilton in a sort of a strategically gray area way, the last thing he wants is for Hamilton to have DRS having just overtaken him as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and um, there's multiple DRS detection points here as well. But but that seems to be the case where Verstappen's kind of in a rush to give the position back at this stage. Hamilton doesn't really know and kind of has like a, I don't know what he was thinking, a brain fart. It's, and Verstappen is in front. He can't see Hamilton, right? They mm-hmm. can barely, the, the car behind can barely see the car in front as it is. The car, you know, as they as he approaches him, he can probably see his front wing and that's, or his rear wing and that's about it. But Verstappen doesn't have a clue where he is. And then he kind of breaks too hard, I guess, at that stage. Well, and then... This is like, this is such a weird thing because now I think we are firmly in like the subjective, like what do we make yes, of this? Yes, yes. Because it's a weird thing. Um, first of all, it's not just that Verstappen is told to give the position back. The radio message is, let's give that position back strategically. So mm-hmm. Red Bull are getting cute. You said the quiet this. part loud. Yeah, they're getting very cute. Now it's inbounds. Like, it's a known thing. You can, it's it's in the rules. People think it should not be. It's yet another one of those things where it's like, I'm not sure we should allow this. But right now it's allowed, which is you can return a position and then immediately go over the DRS detection zone within mm-hmm. one second and like get the run. So that's what Perez Verst- the king at this. Yeah, yeah. And that's what Verstappen is doing. The weird thing is, so one Hamilton, literally as this is happening, apparently Massey is on the radio to Mercedes telling them this is happening. And while this message is going through, Hamilton hits the back of Verstappen. And this is the subject of a later message between Massey and Mercedes, where they're like, you told us as it was happening, we had no chance to give Lewis a warning. Um, The thing is, though, Max isn't driving straight. He isn't driving straight. This is like, on the one hand, I'm like, why doesn't Lewis just go around? But it's like, either Lewis and two, it's this is what Max is trying to do and wants to like work the DRS line the same way in his favor. Or he just doesn't trust Max and, like, does view him as erratic. They are coming around. The corner's blind initially, but then it's not. Like, there's a, there's a yeah. moment where Lewis can probably see. There's nothing up ahead that he has to worry about. Um, but, like... There, ha- there have been incidents, though, where there's been stuff where f- flags were not waved. Yeah. And so... With, with which, which Hamilton was involved in, in practice. Verstappen is drifting around the track a little bit, but apparently the thing that clinches it for the stewards is that... Then, on top of this, at this moment, he applies, I think, 2.5 Gs of braking uh, at this point, which is a pretty hard, like, brake check by F1 standards, I guess. And that's where I gather they feel he crossed a line. It did feel like it took a lot of things for these two guys to come together here. But it probably does start with, let's give the position back strategically. And this is, and if if I have to say, like, what are Red Bull and Verstappen doing wrong? Um, it's that they keep 
putting events out of their own control in a weird way. They mm. keep if you operate in the gray, sometimes it goes in your favor, sometimes it doesn't, but crucially, you are no longer like in control of what's going to happen. Schumacher is often the example cited here, but if you think about it, the instance we can think of, there's a handful over a long career. Like yeah. Schumacher did operate in the gray at times, but by and large, most of the time, he was just dominant, and that's why the championships came. Um, when pushed, he would like you know cut a corner or do something a little edgy. Here, it's race after race where Red Bull and, and Max leave something in the realm of interpretation, and I think it is. It's creating weird dynamics with them and the stewards. And also, increasingly, I think it's getting inside their own head where they're starting to develop like a weird persecution complex about their relationship well, that, well, with that, that one. I think that's always definitely been the case with people like Christian Horner, for instance. I I, I think that, like, I agree with, with a bunch of what you're saying. I think later on we'll talk about the fact that he was... I thought it was harsh to, I don't know. I Like you said, this is in the realm of objectivity, subjectivity. I have been not on the side of max for most of this sort of stuff when it comes to this it seems intentionality doesn't seem the case for me like lewis came on the radio and said he break checked me break check me break checking is if you're like that's what like what happened perhaps between hamilton and verstappen in in baku all those years ago vettel, and yeah verstappen yeah right oh, sorry that's, yeah vettel vettel and hamilton um you know i don't think there was any I don't think Verstappen was attempting to sabotage the race or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think you're right that that they put themselves in a position where it's out of their control. But ultimately, I think when you zoom back and look at this race, the only way that Red Bull were going to win this was through some sort of smart, you know, out of the box strategic thinking because Hamilton had this. The, the the Mercedes on pace had this race. They could beat them on the back straight as long as, like you said, all this debris and all these flags and all these like contentious overtaking, like notwithstanding, if this race is just going ahead, Hamilton has it. Yeah. And and right now it seems like perhaps the the tire strategy stuff is maybe in his favor as well. So in a way, I'm wondering if some of this stuff is just emerging from the fact that this title race is so close, that this is the type of stuff yeah. they're having to do. You know what I mean? So again, I don't necessarily begrudge them, but like, this one was so strange. It's just, the whole thing seemed like, I was kind of like, why didn't Hamilton just drive around him? But then also, the turn was weird, and like, why did why did Verstappen mm-hmm. break? But then also, he didn't really know where he was, or there's... There's just like this is one of those like you, you know when you again the dash ba- the dash cam footage stuff when you watch like a highway crash where both drivers were just kind of thinking something else was happening and and it you know they both arrived at the scene of the crash then as a result of that it was unfortunate and kind of embarrassing for F1 the whole thing was just a bit like lame and bad and they're both lucky to get away from it to drive away yeah yeah, totally agree. Uh, I I never am convinced that that things like this are in, intentional because you just can't you can't guarantee that if you intentionally crash into someone that you also won't come out or you won't be the only one that becomes a DNF, right? And the yeah, which, the commentators um, Silverstone, right? Silverstone was a they both were equally as aggressive into that turn. Well, maybe Hamilton was more aggressive, but Hamilton drove away and won the race, and Verstappen yeah. ended up in hospital. Yeah, so yeah. So um, I, I, that's a bad example because that that example sounds like I'm saying Verstappen was at fault to that, and he definitely wasn't. So 
Maybe that was a bad example. I think the commentators also get confused that Verstappen would just speed off after the contact. I mean, you know, <laughs> what is he going to like, get out and help? Like he's <laughs> he's going to speed up because he's going to try to avoid whatever the heck is t- going on behind him. He doesn't know what Hamilton's car is going to do. You have to pull over, call the police, and if you have one of those shiny cones in your boot, you put it out on the <laughs> highway so no one else crashes. Or the car car. box, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, what else is he supposed to do? Like, yeah. Um, for, all, for all he knew, Hamilton had crashed out. Yeah, but going back to what, you know, the, the timing of the messages, uh, maybe this is another thing for the, the, the protocol team at race control to, to <laughs> change week. here. Call the one behind first so that this doesn't happen. They called Red Bull first, and they're like, all right, we'll put on the brakes. Here you go. Oh, wait, we were still in the middle of telling Mercedes about this. Don't do that yet. If they just flipped it, you know, maybe this problem doesn't happen. I guess they have to confirm that. Yeah, maybe there's like a, you know, there's probably That's from another your, thing. Sorry. Just to, flight stuff. While, yeah, I'm thinking of, while I'm thinking of it, they, Red Bull doesn't know that Mercedes doesn't know. So if, if Hamilton knows that Verstappen is going to be slowing, and he does indeed hit the brakes at 2.5 g or whatever that's still if hamilton has the heads up look at that footage hamilton would have been able to easily sweep around him can i read something real quick i just opened this up it's an article that just was published at autosport but i think villeneuve sure uh, jacques villeneuve actually has a really good take on this that um both in both these incidents but he but he says they all play these little tricks normally when Lewis does them, he does them in a way that there's always the doubt whether he did it on purpose or not. It was the same way against Rosberg. When Rosberg did it, he got caught out and it looked dirty. That's true. When Lewis yeah. was doing it, he didn't do it on purpose. It's clean. And he's a master of that. He's amazing at that, of course. But then Villeneuve's like talking about this specific incident. He says, someone slows down in front of you, you overtake. The problem is those stupid DRS lines, and Lewis didn't want to cross the DRS ahead of Max. He knew Max was letting him by. He just didn't want Max to have the DRS for the next straight line because Max would have overtaken him, so they both played dumb there. Yeah. Oh. And I, I think that's that, what like, that, that... Yeah, that's I do what I appreciate, said at the top. Yeah. That it's... That it's sorry, go ahead, Rob. No, I, I think Villeneuve is cutting a lot of shit here. Um, yeah. and I think probably this might actually be the, the most accurate read that I've seen on this, which is like, to a degree, there's also a lot of performance over the radio of, of this. We're like, do we have to grant that Lewis had no idea what was going on? It was a hell of a risk to drive up the back of, uh, Nico that way. If he, if he knew that, uh, not Nico, uh, Max, if he knew he was being <laughs> let by, but at the same time, like, I do kind of feel like Lewis is very good at performing as if I was just trying to like run a clean race and do the right thing. Uh, a lot of his rivals are not as adept at that. Um, I, yeah, I think it's interesting that Villeneuve is saying that, that he's, he's going further than I was saying and saying that like Lewis absolutely knew, um, which he uh, totally, he may, he may be accurate. Like who knows? Only Hamilton ultimately knows that, but we have to remember, and we get, this gets lost in the wash is that Hamilton for sure knew that there was a likelihood that he'd have to get that position back. It wasn't as if this came out of absolutely mm-hmm. out of the yeah. blue, the incident had just happened. And it was, you know, if he's not already, you know, at the best of times, these drivers, whenever stuff looks like a little bit of a rule infraction, they're asking for the position back. So in that case, he must've been thinking I'm getting the position back. And the the issue I think is that like I don't understand how any race driver who sees a car limping in front of them doesn't think to overtake them. What I was saying about the DRS zone is that I whether or not he explicitly knew or whether or not a lot of decisions were being had to be made in that moment and the DRS 
line was like a bit of noise in that decision making. Right. You know so what he, I mean? he, he, the thought process is, oh, he's slowing to let me pass. Wait a minute. I don't want to pass right uh, here. I'm going to slow down too so that he passes the DRS line before me and then I can pass him. But exactly. then the added wrinkle there is that Verstappen steps on the brake even harder yeah. and then Lewis doesn't have enough time to actually get around. Because yeah. again, if you go look, look at Max's onboard, he not only hits the brakes, he, he downshifts and then I think he hits the brakes harder. So it's not like an instant deceleration. It's like he's slowing and then he hits it harder. And so yeah. that, okay, now, uh, that completely makes sense to me. Neither of them want necessarily to, they want the most advantageous version of that of of yeah. coming out of that yeah it's uh it's wild it's but it, and it's a miracle that both of them drove away because like yes. that was a pretty bad hit and also like hamilton's wing stays on yeah yeah it's amazing um th- there there is another storyline here in this race botas <laughs> coming through the field he gets ricardo on lap 40 for fourth place uh but you know it was honestly hard for me to concentrate on anything else but you know what is going on what is going to happen who's going to get penalties for what etc on lap 42 verstappen finally does give the place back to uh hamilton but he does so in the same spot and if you watch that replay you'll see hamilton pass verstappen then verstappen stick up close behind pass over the drs detection line and then immediately overtake hamilton so that when he enters the drs zone he has drs even though he's ahead what was the name of that O.J. Simpson book? I didn't kill her, but if I did, this I is did, how I'd do if it. If I did it, here's how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what Verstappen just shows. Like, that's basically what, what it, he was attempting to do on the on the, yeah. on the incident. Yeah. Which, again, and, is But in like, the end... Sure. For, that's part of the game. Mm-hmm. But Hamilton's done that. Yeah, but just don't have them crash into your arse. Like, right, right. <laughs> I guess. I, yeah, I don't know. But in the end, for all of this, it may be mooted because of that tire strategy decision that's the funniest thing about the end of this race to me yeah. is that uh-huh. all yeah. of this happens and all of this is like adjudicating what's fair and like what should the running order be and the real thing that may have determined this race independently of all of this stuff is that decision to start on mediums uh at the second mm-hmm. restart by max because even with a compromised front wing it's got some like visible damage on it uh Lewis is able to turn times uh, that like a max can't match. And a max is actually like losing pace uh, throughout. And it is just, his tires are going away from him. And once Lewis like finally does make the retake at turn 27, uh, just forgetting about the, the turn, the turn one, the run that, that run of DRS, like this time Lewis leaves nothing in chance, uh, passes him at the very fast turn 27, uh, whipping along that sweeper. And then it's done. Uh, can we talk about the overtake though? Yeah, because he he pushes Max off the circuit here, like <laughs> like he he goes so wise and pushes like this is where you're, this is where it's hard to like fight for anyone, right? And I'm so glad that, I'm so glad I'm so this you know what this is like this is like watching the Super Bowl and being just an an impartial observer. You enjoy the match so much more than the people who are. Or maybe it's the semi-final of the NFL, where like you enjoy it so much more than people who have skin in the game. I'm so glad I'm not a Hamilton or Verstappen fan because this would have been excruciating to watch. But it's hard to come away from this. Just both of them are at it. Like Hamilton mm-hmm. ended up. I think Massey came over the radio and said that he was borderline on a on a black and white flag for that one, um, yeah. for pushing him off. It's just it was just unnecessary. Like it's it's and, and we've seen them be very like 
gregarious and familiar and kind of like trying to downplay everything in the press conferences like it's a good thing there's only one lap race one sorry race left because like the gloves are off now i didn't like seeing that at all like him pushing them off the line like that like why what's the point did you have some rub no i just i was watching i was like why didn't because i was confused when he received that warning because the tv angle you're right he does force like Verstappen onto the green paint uh, pretty aggressively, but the TV angle doesn't show how aggressive it is because they've opted for, I think wisely for direction purposes, there's a lot of like whipping like uh, pans across the track uh, that like exaggerate the speed, but do deny you any sense of like relative track position. Uh, totally. Like the image has very little depth to it. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I miss, I, I miss that. Um, <laughs> Man, Hamilton hates that kid. <laughs> I know it's like it's so. My, oh. I mean, my head was already spinning at this stage, but Verstappen also gets a five-second penalty for uh, leaving the track and getting an advantage, which I thought was weird because he already gave the position back. Yeah, so that was a real what like. Is that about? The thing. He, I guess, this yeah. is he got that message from his engineer. We didn't have to do that, but oh well. Uh, and and so there's like. I mean, this point, this is what I think Massey has been hoping to avoid. Now you have events on track happening faster than the stewards can be making decisions. Yes, so the stewards yes. are now intervening. They've seen enough. They are like going to like now <laughs> start refereeing this match uh, because yeah, the gods like, have come down from Mount Olympus. <laughs> yeah, but like it's it's happening a little bit too late. Um, and yeah, uh, it's it's a mess. Uh, so usually in this situation where, you know, there is enough free space to take a pit stop, uh, Red Bull would pit, come in for new tires and then set a fastest lap to get that extra point. But with that five second penalty, um, Verstappen would come out behind Ocon so they don't do it. Um, Ocon's got his own problems, though. Oh, and those man. problems are named Valtteri Bottas, oh, man. who is really just a fine racer, don't you think? He, uh, he doesn't get no respect. He People are arguing over fancy dinners about the merits of Valtteri Bottas, and I say he doesn't get no respect. Um, anyway, the broadcasting team, uh, despite their best efforts to hide Valtteri Bottas from us, he chases Ocon down and gets by him for third place at the very last corner. Keller. Sort of the opposite outcome of Hamilton on Gasly in Brazil. Uh, apparently, Ocon had some damage from that, that crunch that he and Hamilton had. Um, and he's in an Alpine. And the yeah, Mercedes so did you is right see there. On I think it was maybe Mercedes Instagram, they put they they ran the stacked uh, in cars of of the two showing the 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 chase from both perspectives, and you get the radio for both, and it oh, hurts because like Valtteri does a nice move. He sort of like fakes to the inside, then sweeps around yeah, to the right, like, and gets yeah. it done like literally uh, the finish line. But the thing I didn't need to hear uh, was Ocon realizing what had happened, like as they rolled down the main straight and realizing he just had that podium, like literally ripped from his hands at the line uh, and just going, no, yeah. uh, it's it's brutal. Mm. Sorry, Esteban. Like he did a great race and like, you know, against uh, ahead of the, you know, Gasly ahead of the two Ferraris ahead of all of their like two guys in front of you take- trying to kill each other. Yeah, it would have taken it any any day of the week. Would have been delighted for a four P four here, but like, yeah, that was if only he defended like a lion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Lewis Hamilton wins the inaugural Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Uh, oh. He said after the race, it's difficult to fight with a driver that doesn't work with the same rule book. Mm. No one has the same rule book. And I think that's maybe the problem <laughs> that everyone, everyone from the drivers to the stewards to the fans, everyone is frustrated by. Uh, Max Verstappen comes home in second after the race. He was penalized an additional 10 seconds for that contact. Uh, as you said, Rob, the steward's pointing to that um, 2.4 G deceleration. It didn't change the order. He's still in second. Valtteri Bottas still in third, followed by Esteban Ocon. Daniel Ricciardo in fifth. Pierre Gasly, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, Antonio Giovinazzi, and Lando Norris getting a point after his uh, dreadful race. Lance Stroll, 11th. Nicholas Latifi, 12th. Fernando Alonso, 13th. Yuki Tsunoda, 14th. Kimi Raikkonen, 15th. And then all the not-classified drivers. Sebastian Vettel, who retired with four laps to go. Sergio Perez, Nikita Mazepin, George Russell, and Mick Schumacher. Yeah, we got, got lost in the wash there, but Vettel had two incidents. He got tagged by Sonoda early on in the race, mm-hmm. um, which which sucked. And then Kimi went for a really weird overtake around turn, I think it was six. But um, would it have been just, like, cool shredded his yes of course yeah absolutely senioritis kimi go for it send it my guy (laughs) let's get some action back there yeah he's only got two two races left he's just apparently had fun he had like a little bit of a a party at the the factory um apparently they couldn't pull him off the microphone actually he was like super chatty and nice to everyone there and yeah he's enjoying his uh his last couple of races yeah but it's funny the uh, the the post-race interviews was like vettel being like yeah, and then Kimi did that, and Sonoda was like, sorry to, to Vettel, like, that was my fault in his interview, and then Kimi was like, ah, yeah, I just tried to overtake, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say it doesn't work, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take it to some driver standings here. Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are tied. 369.5 points for the pair of them. Uh, this, this, is has, this is only the second time in history that the leaders have gone into the last race tied. Um, there have been other last race title de- deciders, though. Uh, if they take each other out in this last race and they end the season tied on points, technically Verstappen would be the champion because he has nine race wins to Lewis Hamilton's eight, in case you were wondering. Uh, in third place in the Drivers' Championship currently, Valtteri Bottas with 218 points. Sergio Perez is in fourth with 190. Charles Leclerc is in fifth with 158. To Lando Norris is 154. Carlos Sainz, 149 and a half. Ooh. Daniel Ricciardo is in eighth with 115. Pierre Gasly's got 100. And Fernando Alonso is in tenth with 77. His teammate Esteban Ocon, 11th with 72 points. Then Sebastian Vettel with 43, Lance Stroll with 34, Yuki Tsunoda with 20, George Russell in 15th with 16 points. Kimi Raikkonen's got 10, Nicholas Latifi has 7, Antonio Giovinazzi has 3, then we've got Mick Schumacher, Robert Kubica, and Nikita Mazepin with 0. Um, let's have a little look just at some of those as we enter the final race. Um, Bottas is locked in for 3rd, it looks like. I don't think mathematically he can lose that. Um uh leclerc norris and signs is an interesting battle especially mm-hmm. norris and signs you know former teammates within a four and a, five and a half points of each other um we could get one of our half point deciders here in one yeah. of these um which is interesting uh, and a couple of other ones ricardo gasly um usually are probably locked in for eight and nine um but yeah all to play for at the top indeed in the constructor standings, Mercedes has a pretty good hold on first place with 587 yeah. and a half points. Anything could happen, of course, because they are only uh, 18, no, 28 points. 20, 
Eight? 28 yeah. points ahead of Red Bull with their 559 and a half points. Ferrari's in third with 307.5 to McLaren's 269. That is a tall order, I think. Yeah, that's done, I think. Uh, Alpine's in fifth with 149. Alpha Tauri has 120. Aston Martin has 77. Williams has 23. Alfa Romeo has 13. And Genos and team with zero. Yeah, so aside from one and two, that's pretty much locked in. Unless something completely random happens and we get a one-two from McLaren or <laughs> Alpha Tauri or something. Uh, yes. It's all, which is, which, you know, we'll, we'll do that, I'm sure, in our season debrief at the end of the next race or whatever. But like, yeah, Bottas did the job. And Perez, through luck or misfortune or just Red Bull's strategy some of the times, like, just couldn't pull it out. Um, let's get into some, just some quick hits here on the news before we have to do the pre-race for Yas Marina. Um, uh, so sprint races, they're still going to happen. Apparently six sprint races will happen in 2022 and Autosport has learned, uh, that the six races, um, have been proposed for the following circuits this has not been announced please it is just uh a lot lot of passive voice here it has it has emerged (laughs) uh one's ideas remain in a very formative stage no vote was taken Uh, apparently they're still hatching out you know uh crash allowance um oh yeah you know money money and compensation for crashes that happen in the sprint race but anyway the proposed locations again according to autosport are For sprint races. Bahrain. Okay. That's yeah, I'll take that. That's a good one. Which which Imola. Weird. Mm, that is a bit weird. But okay. Canada. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. I'll take more Gilles Villeneuve any other time. Austria. A oh, modern yeah. classic. Always good in, hey, in, in yeah. F one right now. We we're owed an extra race. Yep. Zandvoort. Wow. So, what? Uh, what they just want money for that one that's a real let's just get more money from the you can't Dutch. overtake there like there's, there's, yeah. there's, there's gonna be sprinting in formation <laughs> and don't say monaco because that's basically as bad interlagos that's interesting so they're not doing they broke uh silverstone apparently not hmm i mean silverstone okay. uh... didn't they do what was this year silverstone Inter- Ma- was it Monza? Yeah. No, Monza. It was Monza, Silverstone, and and, and Brazil, Lagos, right? wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's Silverstone funny. was not okay. very good. Like stuff happened, but that's, Monza yeah. was worse though. If memory serves, maybe that's why Emila. Yeah, like I think I think I think Silverstone was messy. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe that's Bahrain. a good point. Maybe like you 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 pick some of the races that are tougher to pass at. Because then maybe it's more incentivized for people to uh, take a risk in the in the sprint race because sprint, like you yeah. desperately need track position for the Grand Prix. I don't know, That's but I just don't see Zonvort being. It's it's a really narrow track. It's it's just tough, man. I'll be excited for. I'd love if they did the Bahrain, the alternative circuit for Bahrain. That'd be fun. Uh, yeah, not... Oh, it is Sakir. It is. Oh, cool. Good. They're doing that. That's awesome. So that is That's the. Cool. The, the more ovular track yes oh that's great i, I that a was a, that provided some f- a roval yeah, that's yeah. right that, that provided some fun races and it actually we'll get into it in a bit but yas marina has has kind of done a sakir 
or uh, yeah, because they've they've rounded it, they've rounded out a lot of the turns. It's well, before we do that, one last new story here, Danny, take it. Yeah, Sebastian Vettel did a did a um, he put together a karting race for uh, Saudi Arabian women. Um, he was sort of like uh, talking about how much negativity is around. So Dan Ricardo ended up on the opposite end of this conversation, maybe, but he was talking about how there's so much like negativity in this space. We go to certain places and he wanted to bring up positivity to it. So a uh, uh, quote here from Autosport, I set up my own karting event today under the hashtag race for women. I think a group of seven or eight girls and women were on the track. We set up a nice event only for them. And I was trying to pass on some of my experiences in life and on track too, to do something together to grow their confidence. So probably told them a lot about bee farming. Um, that's right we're hanging out building uh, bee farms yeah. for kids well with kids four bees cleaning up silverstone <laughs> by himself Good it's, guy it's a better look than, than danny rick's no thoughts head empty uh approach to <laughs> uh dealing with controversy in f1 like i understand like if people didn't catch it ricardo gave a long like it was one of those things where he knew he was digging himself a deep grave as he's giving oh, his yeah. answer like what do you think about the controversies around racing saudi arabia and he was like man i don't watch the news it bums me out i hate it it's 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 too heavy <laughs> and like on the one hand i get it especially i don't authentic think authentic response you know what if ricardo genuinely i agree I don't want to hear what Ricardo has to say about these things. I was like, hearing sure. that, I was like, yeah, maybe not for you, the activism and the opinions. But on the other hand, like, you do sound like a chump when you're saying it. Like, man, these serious issues about, like, human rights abuses and gender and sexuality discrimination. It's just such a drag. I don't like to talk about it. And I'm kind of a dummy anyway, so. Yeah, it was a bit of a. Derek Zoolander kind of moment. Um, uh, we, we, we should we should probably also mention in um, uh, respect to Lewis Hamilton for sporting the uh, the the rainbow etched uh, helmet all weekend in support of LGBTQ well, plus folks in the in the the in the region. This is the mm-hmm. thing. Like Ricardo is in trouble in part because F one left these guys all in the jackpot. With what, yeah. like, how are you going to respond to these decisions that were taken for you uh, for the sake of money by other people? Ricardo doesn't want to, have to deal with it, and arguably, maybe he shouldn't have to, but F1 put him in a position where he'd be asked the question. And mm-hmm. F1's drafting a lot off positive publicity generated by like Hamilton and Vettel making these yeah. gestures and stands, but again, like, their reputations have also been sort of mortgaged for this as well so like a lot of this stems stems to like liberty media uh just not being able to say no to a check (laughs) speaking of which danny let's take it to yas marina (laughs) i know yas marina was sort of one of the first inroads marina we have been here since 2009. This was the sort of the the first race that that started the expansion into um, the the Arabian uh, Peninsula, um, and it's gone under a big change this year. If you didn't know, they have made two significant changes to this track. Um, if you know this track and you've seen it in various sims or you watch other race classes, you know that it is fairly malleable. Uh, there is a lot of different formations and setups of this track. One of them has been introduced 
in this race and another one I'm pretty sure is an entirely new build. I don't think it was there before, but I could be wrong. It might have been just around the outside. But let's get into it. So the original race or the race as we've had for most of the past um, decade and change was 58 laps. It is now 55 laps. It's 14 seconds quicker, they reckon. Um, and the two changes are this. Do you have those reversed? Uh, is it more laps oh, now because it's faster? It is, f- it is f- yeah, it's it's 58 sorry now, it's yeah. 58 now yeah sorry it was 55 my bad um that'd be weird <laughs> so the two changes they made is do you remember the hairpin so after turn four there's a big downhill section they kind of take the first couple of turns and then they go they, this big over the hill downhill into a hairpin a little left right very slow and then a tight turn to go into the I know DRS well stretch. I fuck it up literally every time in every racing game like the the, right, the it, tight chicane into the tighter than you think hairpin <laughs> sucks <laughs> yeah and then going into that DRS straight and it sucks for the drivers they don't like it very much there's very little overtaking opportunity there it's kind of a great equalizer as they head into the DRS zone um it's not particularly interesting it's why that lap doesn't really start until the end of that DRS zone into the next one so that change that turn has been fundamentally changed turn five is as it as it is now known now is a fast left-hander so the chicane the little left-right-hander is gone. You're going to go straight through there, which yeah. if you've seen the track, you can see it. Um, and then you basically take a wider turn to get onto the DRS straight, which you can take at pace. So instead of slowing down to a crawl sort of three times That's almost really smart. That That's area, a really good way you put it. It always did feel like the lap didn't start. Like from the start-finish line to this point, it always felt like you were in the weird like nether world of the circuit <laughs> where like nothing mattered until you cleared that chicane. And and the other knock-on effect that this had was that the main overtaking spot forever was after the next DRS straight. So the way the Aston Marina works is that there's a big straight, then there's a tight left-right-hander. That's going to stay there again. And then there's another DRS straight. And at the end of this DRS straight, there was a there was a slow corner. And this is where a lot of drivers would send it up the inside and, and take track position. And then they'd easily defend it in the sort of... It's, it was actually a left-right-left. It was like a sort of a chicane and a half almost kind of coming out of that one. Uh, so that's also gone. And it's been replaced by a, a banked one single a left-hand turn which can be taken apparently at like very high speed so essentially what this does is i guess it makes turn 12 which is already a crazy deep braked downhill right-hand turn basically the turn as you start to face the hotel Mm -hmm. as you're like coming up on the wall of the hotel kind of that's kind of where they're going to slow down after turn seven so it turns that whole section into much 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 faster um they've basically gotten rid of a bunch of like kind of boring arbitrary like there was an overtaking attempt there but again that arena section was kind of like the first section a bit of a parade and the other thing they've done is i guess they're now turn 13 and 14 i think i think they might have been 15 and 16 before whatever it is they've basically you know when you go underneath the hotel they have all those there's like a sort of a boxy little Mm -hmm. left-hander left-hander those have been opened up quite a bit so the apex is a bit wider, uh, which means there is more opportunity um, to gather a lot of speed through there, to drive faster, uh, and also to, if you are on a good set of tires maybe, or you've closed the gap, to to throw it down the inside or, or race a little bit. So it's it's a very different circuit. Like, they've only really changed two turns, and I guess four, but like two fundamentally, but like they've basically gotten rid of like some of the most boring turns on the track and opened it up um, 
in a really interesting way. So yeah, 15 seconds is a is a significant difference if that's what we're seeing between the two configurations. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see who this benefits. Yeah, boy, I'm really excited for this. Um, and it looks like we're going to get a, a uh, similarly... I don't know, scientific, hermetic um, race weekend. There's no precipitation, uh, maybe not a surprise. Um, but we're looking in the high 70s Fahrenheit or uh, mid-20s uh, around qualifying time and race time. And the winds uh, are almost exactly the same for the two days, about 12 miles an hour or uh, 19 kilometers an hour right. out of the northwest. So, Yeah just balmy conditions for the race uh let's take it to the fantasy standings now you can join our (laughs) fantasy league for the very last race of the season if you like (laughs) using the link in the show notes from saudi arabia we have a tie for second darshan team one from india and gunther's joy from the united states but in first place from saudi arabia kevin team three from the usa Overall standings, though, it is in third place from the UK, Splash and Dash. From America in second place, it's turbo time. Or, I'm sorry, it's it's turbo time. Uh, and then number go. one, from Canada, Christian Hornier. Oh, that's good. Uh, he's, he's, not also, horny for, he's not horny for the rules or for Michael Massey. Certainly not, uh, at least outwardly. Um, you can send us an email if you like shiftf one podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails you can also hit us up on twitter at shiftf one podcast I am at Drew Scanlon that is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney that's us around the internet should we take it around the world Danny let's race around the world I should also say I have not even looked at the emails we don't do them generally on these races on these podcasts anyway but I did not even look because fucking god knows <laughs> and I get it I get it. Yep. Well, there's one thing we know next week is uh, everyone's going to be writing in with how good our takes were (laughs) on Max and Lewis. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to be like, wow, you guys nailed it. Uh, I have Uh. no disagreements. (laughs) Uh, Not a lot happening out in racing around the world. Just Formula 2 joining Formula 1 at Yas Marina. Cool. Um, Yeah, and then Formula 1. Maybe you've heard of it. Free Practice 1 kicks off Friday at 4.30 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPNU followed by Free Practice 2 at 8 a.m., also on ESPNU. On Saturday, Free Practice 3 is 5 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2, followed by Qualifying at 8 a.m., also on ESPN2. And the race, everyone, Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2. The Deuce. I'm so tired. I I don't know what to say. I think... I don't think we could analyze, we could reanalyze and go deeper and deeper into that race until the cows come home. Yeah. I'm, I want, I'm glad it's in the rearview mirror. I'm <laughs> excited for the final race of the season. I think no matter what, either driver's earned it. This has been a crazy season. I think Max has, has, has stepped up to the plate and shown incredible race craft. He's clearly beyond so many of the other drivers. I think this has lit a fire under Lewis Hamilton in a way that we haven't seen in a couple of years. Um, I am with you. I wish I, I will say the same thing I said last week. I hope the championship is decided on race merit and not some stupid incident. I think you could argue that 
maybe that has already passed. I don't know. <laughs> but I hope at least after this terrific season we've enjoyed that we can enjoy an incident free. I don't want to feel coming out of Yas Marina like I felt coming out. As, as amazing as that race was, I don't want to feel that way. And my sincere condolences to all Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton fans. It's going to be hell this weekend. <laughs> Brace yourselves. So what I would say, though, because I, I, I saw this sentiment a lot, which is like, I just hate when it's not the on-track actions deciding things. And like, yes, but that is, like stewards tend to get involved when the on-track action is outside the lines. And like, yep. if, if you hate it, then like if, a, if incidents keep happening that invite and require arbitration, that's going to generate these things. But two... They've bent over backwards to not have the officials decide this championship. I think yeah. all this stems from the fact that they started calling really tight races early in the season. And then at Brazil, they were just like, YOLO, I don't want any part of like weighing in on this championship duel. In Jeddah, they tried to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Uh, but note that all the penalties he got didn't affect where he finished. They were blessed by the fact his tires went away. If his tires hadn't gone away and they'd like sort of decided how this had to end in terms of running order, that's one thing. Instead, for all that like Max and Red Bull are pissed that he was penalized, it didn't affect anything. Like he got Mm -hmm. multiple penalties and has received no actual punishment in terms of like championship championship standings or race outcome. So the thing is, like as frustrating as it was seeing those like rulings come down and seeing these inconsistencies, F1 is doing everything possible to not like pick the winner uh in the in the stewards room, as they've done in pre as they've done in the distant past. Um I think they've done an admirable job of, of staying out of it. If something happens at Abu Dhabi where they got to step in again, I don't think you can say, well, they've wanted to play favorites and pick winners throughout all of this. Uh, they've really, they've really, as you can see, they have pushed that power away from them every time it's been offered. Um, and so I, I, I think there's a lot of, I, I think some of the criticism is a bit unjustified, uh, given how much they're trying to stay out of it, maybe to the detriment of setting clear rules. Yeah, I was just you saying that just gave me like a like a flashback to '89 with Jean Marie Ballest and like just how yeah. heavy handed. <laughs> As I was saying, I was just thinking about that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> What happened there? No, I make I make the rules. This was the uh, Prost Senna, the the first one in '89, where um, were set. You know, they crashed, and then Senna drove around the bollards. Right, he, his car worked, and he finished the race. But then Ballester was like, "No, I make the rules. This is my sport. You were not supposed to drive around those bollards." You know, just like making up rules on the right. fly and basically handing the the championship to Alain Prost. And then next year, of course, we see the incident in Suzuka. So like. Um, yeah, it, it, when we, when, <laughs> if you're coming to the sport, if you're part of the wave of folks who have, we're delighted to be part of the sport from Drive to Survive and everything like that, as as maybe as sort of like weird and ethereal the rules seem to be now, like it's a way better than it was <laughs> 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is the most exciting season I have ever seen. And so I would say just to everyone to enjoy the final race. Don't get too bad out of shape about it. Don't at me. 
Uh, with that, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Discord uh, for Shift F1, you can do so over at patreon.com slash Shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow. Kamui Kobayashi is the new team principal for Toyota World Endurance Championship Racing, but is going to continue as a driver. Mr. Excitement is driving and running his own team. How could we forget this?